0: In October 2020, the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine was awarded to Harvey Alter, Michael Houghton, and Charles Rice for their roles in the discovery of the hepatitis C virus. Originally called non-A, non-B hepatitis by Alter and his colleagues, hepatitis C can now be diagnosed and successfully treated using oral antivirals, and the World Health Organization has proposed a strategy for eliminating it globally. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine. And I'm talking with Jay Hufnagel, director of the Liver Disease Research Branch at the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases. Dr. Hufnagel has co-authored a prospective article about the discovery of hepatitis C. Dr. Hufnagel, could you talk briefly about the history of hepatitis A and hepatitis B? How long have scientists known about the existence of those pathogens?
1: Well, hepatitis A has been known since Hippocrates it's clear there was another form of hepatitis that really became clear in the 1940s called serum hepatitis as opposed to infectious hepatitis, hepatitis A and hepatitis B. And so that was the going kind of idea that everyone had, that there were two forms of hepatitis A and B. The real excitement came in the late 1960s when it was shown that the Australia antigen that was discovered by Barak Blumberg was part and parcel of the hepatitis B virus. So we finally had a marker for this virus that was so elusive, that wouldn't grow in cell culture, that no one could detect in blood. There was a marker. And it led to great breakthroughs, a test for hepatitis B that was applied to all blood donations in America. But the interesting thing was that only about 25% of post-transfusion hepatitis, was hepatitis B. What was the rest? It was kind of assumed that it was hepatitis A, although that really didn't make sense. Then the breakthrough came with the discovery of the hepatitis A virus. And with that discovery, the finding that post-transfusion hepatitis that wasn't B was not A. And this was work of you know many people, but Harvey Alter was central to this because he had been at the NIH blood bank and carefully collected specimens from patients who were transfused and also specimens from the transfused blood and shown that a high percentage of people were developing hepatitis off of it, mild and subclinical. But like 30% of patients who were getting many blood transfusions, these were heart surgery patients, were getting post-transfusion hepatitis. So the natural question was, well, this is all hepatitis B. But when we developed good test for hepatitis B, only about 25% was B. And with Harvey's beautiful collection, he could sort out what it was. And after this description of non-A, non-B hepatitis in like 1974, 75, the search was on worldwide to find the next hepatitis virus, non-A, non-B. We didn't know if it was really a virus. We didn't know if it was one agent or multiple agents or what. So they gave it this Awkward term, non A, non B. It's very bad to have a disease with the word non in it, <laughs> because it really meant we didn't know what it was. So over the next 15 years, people sought for the virus, and there were many publications saying that they discovered it. Publications in prominent journals, PNAS, the Lancet, the New England Journal of Medicine. But Harvey Alter, having collected specimens from patients carefully after the transfusion, bringing them back every two weeks for six months had a beautiful collection of samples to show whether these tests that people were saying they had for non-A, non-B were accurate or not. He developed a very nice panel. He had not only very clear-cut cases of non-A, non-B, he had pedigreed safe donors who had donated many times and never transmitted hepatitis. And he gathered samples from other liver diseases and put together this panel that people would use to test their new test for non-A, non-B. And for 15 years, the frustration lasted, that we couldn't find this agent, couldn't find it.
0: So how did Dr. Alter's accomplishments set the stage for the work of the other two Nobel laureates?
1: Harvey did many other things. Don't think he just did this. He basically showed also that part of the problem was commercial blood. He also showed that testing, and many other people showed that testing the donor for liver enzymes, ALT, also identified high-risk donors. And finally, they found that testing for antibody to hepatitis B core antigen was a marker for people at high risk of harboring non-A, non-B. So they made a lot of progress in decreasing post-transfusion hepatitis, but it was still with us in the agent elusive. And it's this, at this point in the late 1980s, published in 1989, that Michael Houghton and his group at the Chiron Corporation reported finding a fragment of an RNA virus in the blood of a chimpanzee that had been experimentally infected with hepatitis C and whose blood was shown to be highly infectious. So with this small piece of RNA and its cDNA clone, they showed that indeed it was a virus, an RNA virus, and With further work, they showed that it was a flavivirus. Beautiful work, and it's really a landmark in American medicine and world medicine in the 20th century, the discovery of the hepatitis C virus. Indeed, was an RNA virus, and indeed, it was only one. There were no multiple non-A, non-Bs. And furthermore, it was a much more common disease than we thought. It accounted for a lot of cirrhosis, a lot of hepatocellular carcinoma. Eventually, we realized it was the most common reason for liver transplantation due to end-stage
0: liver disease. So in what way does hepatitis C differ from hepatitis A, hepatitis B, both in its structure and in its effects? Well, there are
1: different viruses. The hepatitis C virus is a tough one in that it frequently becomes chronic. About 75% of people who develop hepatitis C develop a chronic infection. It persists in the blood. It's often silent, but the patient develops a chronic hepatitis They can be infectious. They're the ones that donate blood and cause post-transfusion hepatitis. It can also eventually lead to significant liver disease, cirrhosis, and end-stage liver disease. That takes a long time, and it's frequently silent until the patient comes in with cirrhosis. And you say, where did this person get cirrhosis from? They don't drink. <laughs> this is non-A, non-B. It's the flavivirus. It's different from the hepatitis A virus, which is a parvovirus, which is spread by fecal oral root. And the hepatitis B virus is a DNA virus. Very different, very tough. And can
0: also become chronic, but not very frequently, in adults at least. You write in your perspective article that the consequences of this discovery of hepatitis C have been immense. Could you talk first about the importance of these advances for screening blood donations? How has this research contributed to the elimination of transfusion-related infection?
1: Well, that was kind of the first effect, that we finally had a test for hepatitis C, so you could apply it to all blood donations. And indeed, by a few years after its discovery, post-transfusion hepatitis was a disease of the past. And uh, Harvey Alters, many years of struggling and trying to get rid of this virus, he finally accomplished it. And We haven't seen cases in decades, at least from the United States. So that's what the first effect was. But the other effect was you finally had a marker and you could characterize the disease and you could show its epidemiology. And just that allowed for public health measures that decreased the rate of acute hepatitis C in America quite significantly. The real problem is we had all these patients with chronic hepatitis and not much you could do about it. And therapies were started. They weren't very good. We used things off the shelf, repurposed drugs like we see now for COVID. And they were partially effective, but it really came with the delineation of the structure of this virus. And here's where Charles Rice comes in. Charlie Rice was a expert virologist, basic virologist at Washington University, done great work in yellow fever and dengue virus. And when it was announced that this was a virus, Charlie got working on it and eventually was instrumental in sorting out the structure of the hepatitis C virus and its various antigens, its structural antigens, you know, its core and its envelope, and its non-structural antigens, the polypeptides that the virus uses to replicate itself. And it's with identification of those that therapies could really be done, direct therapies aimed at this virus in particular and these started coming out around 2012 2013 and then it was found that combining a couple of these at different targets different non-structural proteins you could actually eliminate this virus cure this virus in the majority of people so that today we have therapies that are very simple they're 8 to 12 weeks one pill a day and it eliminates the virus it cures the disease And over 95% of people, in fact, if you take your pills and you come back, it's closer to 100% of people that will respond. What a breakthrough this is. And it's already made a major effect on mortality and morbidity from chronic hepatitis C. This used to be the most common reason for liver transplantation in America. It is not anymore. And it's decreasing yearly as these therapies are applied. It all came about because of the discovery of the hepatitis C virus. You see this Nobel prize was not for developing treatments. It was for the discovery, which triggered all this blossoming of research. It just shows you how great breakthroughs stimulate more. They ask more questions than the answer. They stimulate so much
0: more research that's been thrown at the hepatitis C virus that's been so successful in its control. So finally, What do you think are the next steps that we're gonna need to eliminate hepatitis C in the United States and globally? Is that goal dependent on the development of a vaccine, or do you think that strategies for improving access to treatment, harm reduction services would be enough?
1: Well, the problem is the vaccine has been elusive. People who have infection have antibodies, have high levels of antibody.
0: So antibody
1: isn't necessarily protective. There are inroads in the vaccines, but so far, the vaccines have been very difficult, the experimental ones, and only partially effective. And indeed, after cure of hepatitis C, you can reinfect someone. They can be reinfected. So immunity is not an absolute. And as the great Albert Sabin said, if nature can't do it, humans can't do it. <laughs> so people have looked, and the World Health Organization has suggested that we use therapy of hepatitis C to try to eliminate this disease. Now, eliminate is different from eradicate. Eradicate is like smallpox that's been eradicated. Elimination means that you lower its morbidity and mortality to a low rate. We haven't eradicated measles or mumps, but they are at a very low rate. So can we do the same with hepatitis C? Well, it's no longer so much a research issue as an outreach medical access, public health issue, of screening populations. This is largely a silent disease. Finding people infected and then getting them to medical care. This is being tried worldwide. And some countries have dedicated themselves to eliminating hepatitis C. And they're probably going to do it. For instance, Iceland, the little country of Georgia, not the state, the country and between Europe and Asia. These countries are on their way to eliminating it. In the United States, it's possible as well, but our medical care system is in shambles a bit right now with everything else, and it's, this is very difficult. But that's the idea. And I think it's achievable. It's going to take some time, but with the right commitment, I believe it's, this can become a rare disease. You might compare hepatitis C to COVID. They discovered that disease, and within a month, they had the virus and they had the complete sequence of the virus. And now you see within a year of its discovery, they have a vaccine, amazing. They have therapies, much more accelerated. And part of that represents the advances, the great advances have been made in science and medicine that are able to do this so quickly. And what we saw with hepatitis C was the beginning of molecular biology to take on this problem of identifying this virus. And it was advances in molecular biology techniques that they discovered that they were able to apply them so successfully. And other people are trying like crazy, but Dr. Houghton and his group at Chiron were successful. I also like to stress that Harvey Alter is a very special Nobel Prize winner and that his research was clinical investigation. It wasn't lab research. He wasn't a Madame Curie. He wasn't a Watson and Crick in the lab basic research. He was a clinical investigator, but a very careful one. And this is what I call great clinical science. And I'm particularly pleased that he received this award because it also was at the National Institutes of Health. And it shows you how the American people's investment in the NIH and NIH research can eventually pay off in a very big way.
0: Thank you, Dr. Hofnagel.